Please remain standing for the reading of our gospel lesson. The third chapter of St. Luke, beginning with the 15th verse. As the people were in expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, that is John the Baptist, whether he might be the Christ, John answered them all, saying, I baptize you with water, but one who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So with many other exhortations, he preached the good news to the people, but Herod, tetrarch, who had been reproved by him for Herodias, his brother's wife, and for all the evil things that Herod had done, added this to them all, that he locked up John in prison. Now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. And a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Heavenly Father, we come before you. We thank you that when our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ was baptized, that the voice from heaven spoke, the Holy Spirit descended. All three parts of the Holy Trinity, Father speaking, Son baptized, Holy Spirit descending. We thank you, Lord, for that moment, but we thank you, Lord, that when you spoke, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Lord, you say the same thing to us, not because of our goodness, not because of, of, of a righteousness done by the works of the law, but because of your grace and because of the gift of your salvation, which has been bestowed upon us to make us righteous and holy by grace. So we thank you for the cleansing of grace, which has taken away our sins and has given to us the very righteousness of Jesus Christ, new life, new life to be lived in freedom. So today, give us eyes to see. Give us ears to hear. Cause our hearts to be at peace. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd actually like for you today to turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 3 as we'll be looking at some of the verses preceding uh, the assigned gospel lesson today. So if you have your Bible or if you have your handy dandy gadget, your cell phone with a Bible downloaded to it, you can open that too. And nobody will think that you're texting or playing games or going on to whatever um, in church. Just don't be tempted by it if you use it. It's always best, I think, to bring a hard copy. One time we were having a staff meeting, and in the staff meeting um, over at the office, I went to go give the devotion during the staff meeting, and um, uh, my phone did not work. It didn't turn to the right passage, so I had to confess to everybody, my Bible's broken. And of course, they all laughed, so I had to go get the hard copy. The hard copy, nothing can replace the hard copy. So turn in your Bibles today to Luke chapter 3. And again, this Sunday commemorates the baptism of Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. Uh, before Jesus began his ministry, his ministry of, of preaching and of healing, 
Before Jesus went about proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of heaven, calling people to repent and to believe the good news, there was a a crazy man, a different man named John. Who knows what John ate? He ate locusts and wild honey. And he wore camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. What a strange and fascinating character. And John would preach. His primary mission was a mission of preaching and a mission of calling people to um, a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And John would preach calling people to repent, to repent. In Luke chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, if you'd like to follow along with me. He said, therefore, to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. The people went out into the wilderness to hear John, the message cut to the heart, and they desired to repent, to turn from their sins, and to walk in obedience. They wanted to live out their repentance. So in verse 10, and the crowds asked him, what then shall we do? And he answered them, whoever has two tunics is to share with him who has none. And whoever has food is to do likewise. Tax collectors also came to be baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? And he said to them, collect no more than you are authorized to do. Soldiers also asked him, and and we, what shall we do? And he said to them, do not extort money from anyone by threats or by false accusation, but be content with your wages. So John would preach. He would call people out of sin and into a life of righteousness and of holiness that is lived out. He called the people to produce fruits in keeping with repentance. I wish I could travel back in time to see and to listen to John the Baptist. Now I love science fiction. Two things that I would love if science fiction could become a reality today. To travel in a starship and to travel back in time. Wouldn't it be incredible to go back in time to watch the scenes of the scriptures unfold, to go to the Jordan River as John is preaching, as John is baptizing, to see these things. I imagine if I was there, I would be taken captive by his preaching. I can imagine desiring a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of my sins because I know who I am. And I know I need the forgiveness and the grace of God in my life. And I don't know about you, but but the content of 
of John's powerful preaching convicts me. It convicts me of the sin that dwells in my heart. Bear fruits in keeping with repentance. Don't just say you believe. Live it out. Don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. This is hard stuff. When I really look deep down inside, I know that I do not consistently follow Jesus. My life is not as consistent spiritually as I want it to be, or really in any other way. So preachers like John are convicted. You know, the Bible says, do not worry. I worry all the time. Uh, you know, the Bible says that we are to forgive those who sin against us, right? I'm stubborn. I don't want to forgive the person who has offended me. And my list of sins go on and on. So if I could travel back in time and receive a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of my sins, I'd be the first in line. How liberating would that be? To go into the water and then to come out of the water knowing that all of your sins have been washed away. God no longer sees your sin. Brothers and sisters in Christ, hear this and know this. You and I have been cleansed of our sin. We have been cleansed by his grace and his mercy. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter where you've been, it doesn't matter how disgusting you think you might be, your sins are washed away by the grace and the mercy of Jesus. There's no need to travel back in time to go there and to receive that baptism because you have already received his grace and by his grace you are forgiven. You see, John came to prepare the way John came to prepare the hearts of the people for someone greater than himself. John's ministry wasn't about himself. It wasn't about his legacy. It wasn't about establishing some sort of mega ministry. John came to prepare the hearts of people. John came to prepare hearts to receive Messiah, to receive the Christ, to receive Jesus, to receive the Lamb of God who does what? Who takes away the sin of the world. That's what John came to do. He came to prepare the way of Jesus. Luke 3.15, as the people were in expectation and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John, whether he might be the Christ John answered them all saying, he says, I baptize you with water. But he who is mightier than I is coming, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. 
He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear the threshing floor and to gather the wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John came, the forerunner of Jesus. John came, the one who prepared the way of the Lord. John came so that all flesh would be ready to see and to receive the salvation of God through Jesus Christ. John put it best. He who is mightier than I is coming. And I'm not even worthy to stoop down and to untie the straps of the sandals that are on his feet. I'm nothing. Jesus is everything. He is everything. Now something strange happened when John came, when Jesus came to John. And I remember as a kid and as a teenager reading this passage wondering why. Just couldn't figure this out. Why? Jesus asked of John something very strange. Jesus made a strange request. Jesus went to John and he requested of John that he would be baptized by him. And we know from other Gospels that, that, that John says, no, I need to be baptized by you because I know who you are and I know who I am. John knew that he was a sinner, that he did not deserve to baptize the Messiah, the Son of God. So why would Jesus ask to receive a sinner's baptism? It makes no sense on the surface. Jesus is sinless. He, he is the spotless lamb of God. Jesus did not need to repent of sin. No need for repentance. He had no sin. Jesus did not need to be cleansed because he was perfectly clean. And his blood was, was so clean and so pure and so holy that his blood when he went to the cross, would cleanse the sins of humanity. Why was Jesus baptized? One of the main reasons, the point I'll make today is this. Jesus was baptized. He was baptized to demonstrate, to show his solidarity with sinful humanity. Jesus, the Son of God, was baptized to say, I stand with sinners. I stand with you. I don't hide from sinners. I don't reject sinners. I stand with sinners. And to demonstrate this, I receive even a sinner's baptism. Jesus stands with you. He stands with you. He is the friend of sinners. Your behavior might repulse yourself. And if we knew, your behavior might repulse everybody else. But Jesus stands with you. He stands with you. After Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you, I am well pleased. 
Did you know that the only person that God is well pleased with is the person without sin? The only person that God is well pleased with is the person who has no sin. The reason Jesus entered our world was to take away the sin of the world so that all who repent and believe the gospel would be made well-pleasing in God's sight by the cleansing flood of his grace. So the whole ministry of, of Jesus was a ministry of redemption. Even his baptism was for you. It was for you. God loves you. Rather than separating himself from you because of your sinfulness, rather than hiding himself from you so that he would not be exposed to your sin, God took on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. His whole ministry, his whole life, he stood in solidarity with sinful humanity, even receiving a sinner's baptism. And then by his baptism of blood upon the cross, by that blood, you are cleansed. Have you ever heard this before? Sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. Have you heard that before? Sin cannot be in the presence of a holy God. According to the Bible, that can't be true. The Bible teaches us that God runs into the very presence of sin to save us and to cleanse us. We see this in Genesis 3, 8, and 9. After Adam and Eve had willfully rebelled against God's commandment, Adam and Eve knew their shame. They knew their sin. They hid from God. But what did God do? What did God do? God entered into the presence of sinful people seeking out sinners. Genesis 3, 8, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden. They're probably thinking, is he coming here to punish us? Is he coming here to kill us? Why is God coming? So they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. And the man and the wife, they hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called out to the man and said to him, where are you? Where are you? God seeks sinners. God desires more than anything to enter into the presence of sinners so that we would be cleansed by his grace. In Jesus' baptism, it screams out, I am a friend of sinners. I am a friend of sinners. You don't need to hide from me. There's no need to hide from me. I come to you. I stand in solidarity with you. I don't know if you've noticed this as you read your Bible, but Jesus receives a lot of flack for hanging out with sinners. Have you noticed that yet as you study the Gospels? They accuse Jesus of being a drunkard, a glutton, a sinner. Why? 
because of the company he kept, because of the people that he hung around with. God doesn't hide from sinners. God hasn't hidden from you. He desires to know you and to enter into a relationship with you. He was born of sinful flesh. He was raised by sinful parents. He ate with sinners. Then he died with sinners. Two thieves hung on each side of him. And there, in the midst of sinners, he paid for the sin of humanity. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake... He made him to be sin who knew no sin. That is, God made Jesus. God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin. So that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus took on our sin. That's how, that's how deep he ran into the presence of sin so deep that he actually took your sin and my sin upon himself. He absorbed our sins. And because of the grace of God poured forth from the cross, God looks at you and he says, you, you are my beloved. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. With you, I am well pleased. Not because of your goodness, not because of your works, not because of anything that you have done, but because of the goodness and the faithfulness of Jesus Christ shed upon the cross for you. God is pleased with you. He is pleased with you. And now by the cleansing of, of his grace, you have been made a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old has gone, the new has come. And St. Paul says in Romans 6, 1 through 11, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? What does Paul say? He says, no way. By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if you have died with Christ, we believe that you will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once and for all. And the life that he lives, he lives to God. So you must consider yourselves dead to sin. 
dead to sin, and alive in God and Christ Jesus. You're baptized. In baptism, you have been united to the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now you are dead to sin, and you have been made alive in Christ Jesus. So today you are alive in Christ. Did you know that your resurrection has already started? Yes, we do look forward to that day when all flesh will be resurrected at the last day. But your resurrection has already started. New life has been created within you. New life that completely and totally changes the course of of the direction of life. You have died with Christ. You were raised with Christ. Sin has gone. New life has come. Therefore, we live it out. We live it out. We produce fruits in keeping with repentance. The preaching of John the Baptist applies to us because we are now a new creation in Christ Jesus. The righteous life that John the Baptist called the people to, he calls us to, to live it out, to live it out. And because you are free in Jesus, you are free to obey. You are free to obey. Those who have been liberated by grace are free to serve God and to serve their neighbor. So you are absolutely free. We do not obey the law out of a sense of, oh no, I have to obey this or God is going to get me. But we obey the law because of the grace and the mercy that has been poured out on us and our hearts have been liberated and our desire is to serve him in freedom, not in bondage, not in fear, not in the fear of the law but in the liberty of grace, we live the life that we are called to live. Loving even those who are unlovable. Earlier in the message I said, Jesus stands with you. Your behavior might repulse yourself and if other people found out it would repulse them too. But Jesus stands with you. He stands with you. In the early 90s, a man terrorized this area. He was convicted of setting over 100 fires across this area. How many of you remember that nightmare? Some of you here may have been affected by it. No one was more repulsive than Paul Keller. No one. A local pastor from Everett tells the story of visiting the county jail only months after he was convicted. The pastor brought members of his church to the jail, to the county jail, during Christmas time to sing carols to the inmates. Now here's the thing. That pastor didn't know Paul Keller was going to be there, and that pastor's church and those members' church had been burned down by Paul Keller. 
The pastor noticed Keller standing alone in the corner of the room in which they were singing. The pastor said his, his whole being was filled with rage and anger and hatred. You understand that? Can you identify with that? Does anybody blame him for that? No. Uh, he said that he was going to go over to Keller and to give him a piece of his mind, tell him how much pain and agony he had caused. But as that pastor started to walk across the room, something began to happen. Holy Spirit did something. All of a sudden, the anger melted away, and the love of Jesus filled his heart. He was going to go over and chew him out, but all that could come out of his mouth is this, God loves you. He loves you. And uh, he ministered unto Paul Keller the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus had entered into that pastor. And Jesus had demonstrated to Paul Keller through that pastor the unconditional love that Jesus stands with sinners. He stands with sinners. Jesus stands with you. He loves you. Your behavior might be repulsive, but Jesus stands with you. He washes it away. He makes you new. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we praise you for the goodness and the mercy that you've given to us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that your whole life, your whole action from the time of the fall of humanity into sin in Genesis until the consummation of the ages when you come again as King of kings and Lord of lords and give us the new heaven and the new earth. Lord Jesus, it is all for us. It is all for sinners. It is for our redemption. And we thank you for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.